Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond in dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. From Matthew 2, verses 5 through 6. In House of Bread, Bethlehem, the village of the great chief, much loved one, David, they answered. This is what the ancient prophets said. But you, O house of bread, Bethlehem, in the end of promise, Judea, even though you are small, you have a good reputation with the chiefs who watch over the land. From you will come a great chief who will guide my chosen people. <clears throat> Apartment 311 has windows that face west. An open window on a weekend morning will let in the sound of soccer practices and progress and the yeasty scent of frying donuts. 16th and Sandy Boulevard in the Buckman neighborhood of Portland, Oregon, with the famous voodoo donuts as the neighbor sharing a fence we shared a fence with, is the precise spot my son took his first breath of fried dough-scented earth air. Origin stories are some of our most sacred stories. Listening to a person tell of what they know of their beginnings is a sacred thing. The origin story we celebrate tomorrow, well, we only need to look around to see how seriously we take that one. I sometimes find myself reading articles with titles like, what historians think actually happened at Jesus' birth, with a bit of trepidation. There are parts of Jesus' origin story that are beautiful to me, and I'd hate to lose them. But I read, I read them anyway, because I'm curious, just like anyone else, about the circumstances of someone's beginnings. A little town of Bethlehem was likely correct in its judgment of size, with historians agreeing that it was a typical Jewish village of between two and 3,000 people. And it was also true that the village was full by the time Mary and Joseph arrived. The census called everyone back to their homes to be counted, meaning homes were filled with families during this time. Historians now are pretty sure that Joseph very likely had a family home that he was returning to. The word translated in, in Greek, is kataluma, which can mean in, guest room, or large room. A likely scenario is that by the time Joseph 
and at, and the about to give birth Mary arrive, the family home is already full. The assumption could be made that Mary didn't want Joseph's entire family as her audience for Jesus's birth. Many scholars think that Mary and Joseph found a more private spot, some suggesting the caves in the limestone hills of Bethlehem where many families had built their homes. Regardless, regardless if it was in a barn or a cave, the insignificance of little old Bethlehem and the lack of pomp and circumstance of Jesus' birth still shines to me during this season, but especially this season. It almost feels as if we are collectively holding our breath. We all watch in the coming months to see if someone facing 91 federal charges can still win a presidential election. We will watch how a divided population will respond to whatever happens. We may be already worried about what violence awaits us, what turmoil and destruction is yet to come. I think we continue to carry ourselves with caution, knowing what a global pandemic can mean for us, how quickly everything can change, weary that it can all be taken away from us again. And lastly, but certainly not lastly, as if you all needed a rundown of what to be worried about in 2024 on the day before Christmas, we continue to hold the reality of a warming planet and the knowledge that we, as part of all of humanity, have caused this. And should we want to survive, we'll need to change. There are some mornings when all of this just seems to be sitting at the foot of my bed when the alarm clock goes off. An overwhelming and disconcerted sense of, I don't know what's going to happen. What's all the more confusing is that I'm a Christian, a mystic-leaning Christian who follows a spiritual path that longs to point to another way. All the while, I am a Christian in a Christian family that has, by all measures, lost any and all connection or resemblance to the Jesus they profess to follow. I wonder on this Christmas Eve if the reminder of coming home, of the smallness and insignificance of Jesus' origin story is what we need right now. <clears throat> I recently learned of uh, groups of feminist mystics who spread throughout Europe between the 13th and 16th centuries. Their name is really hard to pronounce because you got to put a in there, and I'm not that good at that. Um, but they're called the Bechwins. My favorite writer, David James Duncan, writes of them. They had a daily devotional life, which was taken very seriously, but differed from the life led by nuns in that they lived comparatively free of the church and right out there in the world. They lived on their own private property, not Roman church property which was stupendously freeing for them, and they prospered because of it. Their independence was fierce, but so, in their, but so in their spirit of Christ was their generosity. 
They raised their own food. They educated the local children. They took care of the sick and dying. They took in orphans. Their communities are both self-sustaining and woven into the society at large. And they were of huge benefit to society. As you might guess, communities like this ran into the ever-present machine of power-drunk misogynists and came under the terror of the Inquisition, having their teachings and joys mercilessly eradicated. Duncan, looking at the Bechuines as just one example, says that Christianity has been violently separated from its own greatest spiritual and communal riches and violently constricted, the result being the unlivable politicized fundamentalism of today. As I try to prepare my heart, brain, and soul for 2024, and whatever is awaiting us, I wonder if we can begin to set intentions to be present with one another. While we do not have the threat of inquisitional eradication, we will face an equally as destructive force, a sense of hopelessness. The grandeur of a national presidential election, of global climate change, it will likely have the effect of freezing us or taking away a sense of purpose or direction. And all the while we have this day, where we remember the Christ child born in a no-name town in unpleasant circumstances, and who David James Duncan reminds us spent the famous portion of his life moving on foot around a very small part of the world demonstrating in word and deed that there is no goal beyond the experience and expression of love. He continues, if you've got yourself a little faith community and feel some love and mercy bubbling in it, why mess with that? Why structure it? Why enchurch it? Why not just live it and be thankful? I know there's anxiety about who or what West Hills Friends is going to be in five years or 10 years. Most days I anxiously think of game plans or strategies or ways I can be more or differently present with West Hills for us to feel financially sustainable and that we will be here for as long as people want us to be. I know the world is changing, the relevancy and witness of the church dwindling too. But what if we are getting too complicated? I think we Quakers can be in the same family as the Bequeens, as experimental mystics, acknowledging the ever-present and continually unfolding revelation of spirit, creating community with a realistic impact within a particular soil and watershed, a real presence in the lives of the humans gathered here right now and other humans who will need this place of continual listening to a prophetic, disruptive, yet compassionate and loving God, leading us in light in a world of dark. Do we really need to be anything more than that? Can we find a way to gather around that spirit, to sustain ourselves and one another in that vision? As we step into a year where the problems in front of us feel larger than we can conquer, 
Might we feel the gentle tug towards the smaller from time to time, to the village, the neighborhood, the Quaker meeting house? Or maybe we need a gentle acknowledgement to be at home within ourselves, grounded in the present reality with other humans trying to make their way. Here's some queries for waiting worship friends. How does the soil under your feet, the watershed in which you live, the light within your own heart call you back to yourself? In what ways can a community like West Hills Friends be of service to people experiencing the turmoil of our times? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.